The reading this morning before Matt's lesson will be from John chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. The young guys coming up, amen, wanting to sing and lead and, and be in front of all the brethren. Man, that's encouraging to me. Appreciate it, Why that? how great thou art, huh? Isn't God great? Isn't He worthy to be praised? Isn't He worthy to be worshipped? He is an awesome God and He is above anything that we could ever figure out. But that's okay. Because he says, I love you, and I'll just take care of you if you'll follow me, right? This morning we're continuing discovering who Jesus is by these I am statements. I've really enjoyed these. I hope that you have too. I've really enjoyed studying them and getting them prepared. And we're going to be in the same area this morning that we were last week in John chapter 10. If you would, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 10, and we're going to read... Uh, verses 11 through 18. The I am statement that we'll be looking at this morning is, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Last week we saw Jesus telling these Pharisees and the, the group that was around him that he was the door. And if anybody wanted to enter through Him, they could be saved and they would be able to go in and out and, and find pasture. That comes from verse 9. We looked at it quite a bit. And I do want us to think about verse 10 where it says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. And I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. That scripture should be one that we memorize a scripture that we have highlighted, a scripture that we have underlined, anything that you do to remember a verse, this is one to be remembered because Jesus came so that we could have life and that we could have it more abundantly, as we talked about last week. But this week, Jesus moves kind of into another uh, area of thought in verse 11. He says, not only am I the door, but I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And, catch, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Verse 17 says, Therefore my Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. No one takes it 
from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. As we begin this morning, I want us to consider a few things. I've got three points, and this is not one of them, but I want to kind of set up the three points with this thought. That Jesus, the good shepherd, is not a hired hand. See, Jesus is different than a hired hand, as we just read. A hired hand really could care less about what he's been hired to take care of. Just as long as he gets paid, right? You know, I don't know if you're like this, but I worked for a printing company and I really didn't care about the product as much as I cared about the money, right? Now, I did the product and I cared about it and wanted to make sure that it was good so I didn't get in trouble, but I really didn't care Uh, about the product that much because it wasn't my product you know I was just assigned to take care of that product and then I would get my check see Jesus says I didn't just get hired to do this this is my stuff these sheep are my sheep and I take care of my sheep even to the point that I'm willing to die for my sheep You see, the picture of this hired hand is someone who doesn't care when times get hard. When when the wolf comes, you know, when Satan and his tricks come, that hired hand will run and leave. He'll leave you stranded, but not Jesus. Jesus says, I'll stay. And He did, didn't He? He stayed all the way and took away that sin problem that all of us faced. He took away that thing that separated us from God, didn't He, once and for all? He died on that cross so that we could have life. 1 Peter 2.24 says, Who Himself bore our sins in His own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. See, having died to sins, He wants us to live righteous, and be found right in God's eyes. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. The wolf tries to come, and he tries to scatter us. The wolf comes, and he tries to harm us and hurt us. But Jesus said, no more will the wolf bother you if you come and follow me. I'll stand up for that. I'll stand in the way of those things. You know, we see the love of Jesus in this area of Scripture. We see the love of Jesus that He not only loves the sheep, but He cares for them. And He wants to have a relationship with them. He wants them to be around Him. And you know, I like this thought. He smells like the sheep. I went and helped Kenny Durrett with some sheep. I don't know if I did a good job or not, but I went and I helped for a couple hours. (laughs) And when I got home and I took Isaac's boots off, I didn't take mine, I took Isaac's. uh, Put Isaac's out on on the porch and I got in and I started taking off my clothes and I laid them down. They smelled 
There was a smell to them. There was hair on them. There was all kinds of stuff on them. And even after I washed my hands, it still smelled like sheep. Jesus loves that smell. I didn't so much love that smell. But Jesus loves that smell, right? He wants to be around you. He wants to be in your life. He wants you to be by Him and Him by you. What a great thing to think about it. What a great thing to consider when we understand that Jesus came to do this. And you know, if you back out and look at, uh, get out of the context in this uh, illustration that He gives, what we see in a, in, in a bigger picture is the Gospel. You know, we see that Jesus came and He died and He was buried and He was resurrected for us. You know, we see that. And so, for the rest of the time this morning, I want us to consider not the hired hand, but the good shepherd. And what people think when they hear about the good shepherd. What happens when people hear the good news? And I hope that this will encourage you if you're studying with somebody. Maybe you have these thoughts in your mind. Two of them are kind of negative, and one of them is something that we all should be doing. So the first thing that I want us to consider is this. When somebody hears the gospel, when somebody hears the good news, and they understand what they need to do to be saved, they may come to this thought, no way, not me. No way, not me. When people start looking at their lives, when they hear the truth and they realize they're not doing what God says, and the things that they've been a part of are contrary to God's Word, and they start thinking about those things that they've done in their past, they fall into this thought process, you ever been there? That you say, there's no way that God could forgive the stuff that I've done. If He really thought about the things that I did, if people knew the things that I really did, there's no way God would forgive those sins. He can't love me like that. He doesn't want me to be a part of His fold. All the things that I've done in my life, all the actions, those things that went through my mind, no way. Not me. <laughs> Maybe you're here today and you feel like that. Maybe the reason why you haven't obeyed the gospel is because you think, I can't compare to these other people in here. If they only knew the half of what I've done. Maybe you're studying with somebody who's thinking along those lines. I want to give you some words that will help you to realize that there's no need to feel like that. There's no need to pretend like you're the one making the choices. See, when we have that in our minds, when we have that thought, what we do is we become the one that makes the decision. We're the one that says, you know what? My sins are bigger than the cross. You see, that grace and mercy that you give me, God, you know, it's just not strong enough for me. Huh. It's just not strong enough for the things that I've done to really cleanse me. The Lord telling the Jews in Isaiah, 
Talking about the wickedness of Judah in Isaiah chapter 1. Listen to what he says to them. We're talking about in the Old Testament, brethren, and we're on this side of the cross on a new covenant made on better promises. But look at what Isaiah, Isaiah says. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. It's hard to take something that's stained. I had a brand new white t-shirt. I mean a white collared shirt. I had another one and the collar was a little bit too high and it bothered me and I complained and belly ached for a while. And Erin was such a great wife. She went and got me another one. Custom fit to my neck. My long neck, right? Where it would just fit as low and it wouldn't uh, bother me as much. As soon as we put it in the wash... I put it in with not all white clothes. So, when it came out, we were looking in the hallway because it was hanging up, and I said, man, that thing looks pink. <laughs> that thing is pink. The problem with that is you can't get it out, can you? It doesn't matter what you do, how many times you bleach it, how many times you may get it better, but it's not going to be all the way out, right? We understand that picture. We had to throw it away. And it was a great, I'll probably never have a white shirt like that again. I wore it one time. It was awesome. It felt good. I mean, I could play ball in it. But God says, when I forgive your sins, it'll be like snow. You ever walked outside on a sunny day when the snow's on the ground? You can't even look at it, can you? It blinds you. It's like, whoa, that's bright. Though your sins are like scarlet, though your sins are like crimson, I will make them white as snow. I will make them like wool. Look at what John, I mean Proverbs 14, 12 says. This is the decision that you have to make if you're in this thought process. This is the crossroad where you stand. That There's no way that God could forgive me. Here's the deal. Either we're going to believe God and what He says, or we're going to go on our own opinion. But there's a danger in that. Look at what that proverb says. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Don't listen to yourself on this one. <laughs> listen to what God says. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've said, God will forgive you. Amen? And He'll make you clean. And He'll add you to His fold. And He will take care of you like the good shepherd that He says He is. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us. And sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Think about what the propitiation means. We talk, I talked about it at, at the Bible study we have at Highland Rim. What a blessing that's been. 
He is the satisfying sacrifice for our sins. Jesus became the satisfying sacrifice for us. Once and done. I don't have to do it anymore. I'm just going to do it one time and it's good enough. And it continually will cleanse me forever and ever. So if you sit here this morning and you think that your sins are too bad, don't believe that. Don't believe the hype that Satan's putting in front of you. It's a lie. And it's just not true. What else do people think? Is it even worth it? Is it even worth it for me to do what I'm doing? Matt, I know that Jesus loves me. Matt, I know that uh, He died on the cross. I know that what the Good Shepherd means. I've heard it, I've heard it, I've heard it. I know what John 10 is teaching. But is following Jesus even helping me in my life? Is it even helping me? If you would, turn to Psalms 73, and that's where we're going to end up for the rest of this uh, time. Psalms 73. I love the Psalms. Psalms 73. You know, Matt, it's hard for me to obey because it seems like I'm alone. It's hard for me to obey because it seems like when I start looking around at everybody around me that's not a Christian, it just looks like they got it all made, right? They got it all figured out. They're having a great time while here I look and feel like I'm alone and I'm sad and I'm depressed and I don't feel good and and everybody else around me looks like they got it all figured out. Why does it seem like I'm doing all of this for nothing? You been there? You ever thought that? You ever had that mind frame? Maybe you're here today and you do have that mind frame. When we forget to follow the Good Shepherd and begin to look out into the world, this is what happens. All the fun things, right, in quotes, that the world is doing is right in our face. But look at Psalm 73. I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. Truly God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no pangs in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride serves as their necklace. Violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge with abundance. They have more than heart could wish. They scoff and speak wickedly concerning oppression, 
They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walks through the earth. You ever thought that? You ever been there? He says, I almost stumbled. I nearly slipped. I was envious of the boastful. I saw the prosperity of the wicked right in front of my face. They set their mouth against the heavens. You doing that God thing, man? Bless your heart. Bless your heart. You doing that God thing? You going to church on Sunday, Sunday night, Wednesday? Man, bless your heart. We about to go to the game. We got a party up in the booth. Drinks all night. Are we here today thinking that the that following the good shepherd is making our lives miserable? Look at verses 16 and 17. Think about what he's saying right here. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me. When I started trying to rationalize this and figure it out in my mind, when I started to try and make it what I needed to make it to to understand how these wicked people and the worldly people are just continually prospering right in my face and having all this fun and it looks like I'm just not even having a good time at all. I'm miserable. It was too painful for me to figure it out. Until... See what he says? He says, until. I had gotten so focused in on this, I had lost the real focus. I had zoomed in so close on this that I lost something. Until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their end. I went to the Lord for my understanding. See, when I tried to figure it out, I couldn't get it. When I tried to figure out the way that I needed to do, the way that I needed to live, I couldn't figure it out and it was even too painful for me. But then I went to the Lord. And then I understood their end. See, God puts it back in perspective, right? Back up, calm down, I know you're upset. Listen to me. Listen to me. Calm down, let me me talk to you for a minute. Let's think about those people in the world. Let's think about those wicked things that are going on right in front of your face. Look at what verse 21 and 22 says. He says, Thus my heart was grieved, and I was vexed in my mind. I want us to just think about that word for just a minute. The New King James says vexed. The King James says, I was pricked in my reins. The Hebrew word there means to be struggling in your mind. And even a better definition is having a debate going on. You ever had a debate going on in your mind? You ever had the two guys giving the debate, you know, the best and the worst? No, you don't need to be doing that, and here's why. Well, you do need to be doing it, because here's why, right? The cartoon with the angel and the 
the devil on the sides, right? Verse 22, he says this, I was so foolish and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. I wasn't even thinking right. I had gotten so caught up in this, I had gotten so overwhelmed in thinking that I missed it. And I feel so foolish and so ignorant. Is following the good shepherd really worth it? Does he really care for you like he says? See, the beauty of the good shepherd is that he is the one leading us to abundant life. Isn't that what the Word says? Not anyone else. When it's easy and also when it's hard, He still will lead you. But that only comes, and we're about to get to verse 23 and 28, and brethren, study on this, please, for the rest of this week. Look to these scriptures and pray about them and and just get into this. This is some good stuff. This is some good stuff to encourage you. Which leads right into the third point. The only way that we're able to get our eyes off of the things of the world, get our eyes off of those things that get us discouraged, is to realize this. You're all I need. I love Aaron. I love my kids. I love all of you. But you want to know what? All I need is God. That's all I need. If everything was taken away from me, I still have God. What we all have to understand is that Jesus truly cares for us more than we'll ever know. Look at what he says. He says, I was so foolish in 22 and ignorant. Here I am having this debate in my head. I was like a beast before you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold me by my right hand. You will guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you listen to this one. And afterward, receive me to glory. Don't you want to go to heaven? Don't you want to go to that land? Have you forgot about it? Have you forgot about heaven is coming, brethren? Look, whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart fail. But God is my strength of my heart and my portion forever. For indeed, those who are far from you shall perish and have destroyed all those who desert you for harlotry. Oh, I remember what happens to those who aren't faithful. It's a scary thing to fall in the hands of a living God, amen? If I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do, if I'm not a child of God, here is the sad reality. You don't make heaven your home. And if you're here today and you're not a Christian, don't wait. 
It's going to be great. It's going to be a place that you can't even imagine the funnest thing you could ever, whatever you think is the funnest thing that you could ever do on this earth cannot even compare to what's about to come. You know, you go to the place that you're just, man, this was the greatest time that I've ever had in my life. This was the greatest thing that I've ever done. And I'll always remember it. And it makes me feel so good when I remember that one thing that was the best thing ever. It don't even compare. There's no comparison to it. But while I'm here, I remember that you're going to hold me by my right hand. While I'm here, I remember you're going to guide me with your counsel. And one day, you're going to receive me to glory. Verse 28 says, But it is good for me to draw near to God. It's good for me to do that. It keeps me out of trouble, don't it? It keeps my wandering eyes from thinking the ridiculous things. It puts me back in perspective. I put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare your works. Don't be foolish and ignorant. I am so many times in my life and I forget that He holds my hand. I forget that He guides me. I forget that heaven's going to be my home one day. I forget that my strength and my portion forever is God, the Good Shepherd. I don't want to forget anymore, though, and I want you to pray for me, brethren, and I'm going to pray for all of you that you want to draw near to God, that you want to draw near to Him. Tough times will come, no doubt. And fear may come over us and we may wonder, is it really worth it? He can't forgive me. But what we really should have in our mind, the focus that we should have in our our understanding of who God is, is He's all we need. That's why He's the Good Shepherd. He willingly gave His life so that we could be saved and be with Him and follow Him. What does he say? He says, I'm the good shepherd and I know my sheep. And I am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Would you die for somebody, brethren? Would you die for somebody? Jesus didn't just say he would. I'm say I'd do it. I mean, I love y'all and I hope I would. I hope I never have to take up that... (laughs) I hope I never have to do it, right? But Jesus not only said that He would would do it, but He said it's going to happen. It happened. And He saved us. So here's the question as we leave this morning. We've heard all of this. We know who the Good Shepherd is. We know what He says. We know what He he promises us. But He asks us to do our part, right? Right? He asked us to do some things too. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. But here's what it really boils down to. No matter if the world looks so much better, no matter if all of these things come crashing down, do you still trust Him?
Do you trust Him? That's the crux of the matter, ain't it? If I trust Him, I know no matter what I'm going through, if I'm faithful to Him, heaven is going to be my home and my sins will continually be forgiven as I ask. Amen? Maybe you're here today and you're not a child of God. Maybe you're here today and you're struggling with some things. Maybe you're here today and you, you just don't see the importance of becoming a child of God. Let me tell you, it's the most important thing you could ever do. Because God loves you so much. Why would you not go to somebody who loves you so much? We go to, to people all the time that love us so much. We always want to be around somebody who loves us so much, right? Who thinks so much of us. Don't you want to be around somebody who brags on you and talks about you all the time? Boy, I like being around those people. Let me hear it, man. Come on, give me one more. God loves you. But he says there's going to be a day that comes and it'll be over. And if you're not in the body of Christ, you don't make it. But you can today, and this is how you can do it. Believe who Jesus is. Believe what He did. Believe He came to this earth and died on a cross for your sins. He was buried and He rose again. Believe that you've got to repent of your sins. You've got to turn from the way you're living and turn towards Him. You've got to be willing to confess in front of men that you believe Jesus is the Son of God. You've got to be baptized in water for the remission of your sins. Ananias told Saul, what are you waiting on? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. Acts 22, 16. 1 Peter 3, 21 says, Baptism now saves us. Not the removal of filth of the flesh, but an answer with a good conscience towards God. See? It's not magical water. It's not the only thing uh, that you have to do. But when you're about to get ready to get put in that water, here's what you're saying. I can't do it, God. But you can. And I know you can. And I'm asking you to be the Savior that you said you'll be. And when you come out of that water, you're new. A new creation. New. Old things passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And then live that life faithful unto death. If you need to be saved, if you need to obey the gospel, if you need prayers, come right now. Together we stand and sing.